Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. It is warm in Los Angeles today. We're at the end of March. When this is coming out, it will be April. Pretty freaking crazy that we're already in April. Um, and it's hot. I'm, like, sweating. We might have to put the air conditioning back in the window soon. Um, I'm wearing a fun little top um, from the brand Another Love, um, but it was actually purchased um, via the store Kensington that my friend Addie, who's a friend of the pod, been on the show before, um, she is their creative director and styling director or something of that ilk. And so I'm like obsessed with everything that they post and she sends them to me. And this fun little top is really cute. I will say that the buttons are like, a, it's not tight or anything, but like the buttons are a little bit flimsy. Um, so hopefully we won't have like a little lip slip or anything. I'm not wearing a bronzer here. Spoiler alert. Um, so maybe the, the visual listeners will get a little fun something, something to entice them. I'm just kidding. This is not an OnlyFans. So I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of water drinking breaks. It's hot. Um, what else is new? Isn't this so fun? Um, oh, yes. So next week, if I get in anything, hopefully they will actually come in. I wanted to start off the next week's episode with a fun little um, assumptions about me or assumptions that you have about reading also. So either, either or. So you can, if you don't know me, something you assume about me based on what you've seen on the podcast and what you think, um, you can either leave those as a comment down below. Um, if you're following me on Instagram, um, when this goes up, I'll put up again to send in any assumptions. I actually have it up right now, but in I'm talking to you from the past and this will be up in the future. Um, or like leave a comment or shoot me an email. I like to read pod at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram. I like to read pod. You can DM me there. Any like assumptions that you think you have about me, I'm going to debunk them or bunk them if they're true or assumptions or things you have about reading that like, uh, I will never find a book that appeases to me or like all books are boring or whatever. Just something fun to throw in there. I know that's more of like a a bigger lifestyle YouTuber thing. I don't have a ton of followers, but for the ones who are listening and reaching out, what do you assume about me? And also, and or what do you assume about reading in the literary world too? Um, We'll debunk those together next week or um, very well not because we might not get any in, but hopefully we will. Anyway, there. Oh, Sundays, yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about this week's five books. Drum roll. My cat was just like, what is this? We love you, what is this? Okay. <laughs> so first up we have Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um so Kazuo Ishiguro, um, you may be familiar with the name. He is a prominent sci-fi sort of sci-fi think pc works um i have written his other book uh oh he's written quite a few other books but the the most famous one that sort of put him on the map i think was called never let me go um and that's also sort of like a sci-fi um humans as artificial intelligence and how we interact like with um dystopian sort of worlds yeah he's written quite a few books but never let me go was the the prominent one that i have read so Clara and the Sun just came out. Um, Clara is an artificial friend. So more than like an artificial intelligence, but she is sort of a companion. She literally is a companion to um, a young girl named Josie. Now, Josie is very sick. Um, we meet Clara as she's already sort of formed her own identity. She's kind of waiting to be bought as an artificial friend. That's what she is created for. Um, Josie and her mother come and they select Clara. Um, Clara, Clara, I don't know. Clara, we're going to go with Clara. Um 
And so Clara becomes immersed in Josie's life, and she is there sort of as just a friend, uh, but then it's also uh, the more time that she spends with Josie, the more she gets to know her and emulate her, um, So, because that's sort of the, the purpose of the artificial friends is not only as are they there as a companion, but they're also there to sort of watch and observe the, the human friend that they're assigned to, and then um, they can sort of take on their personality without it being like an exact clone so it's like a really cool interesting concept to think about is sort of like someone studying and watching you but also like there to be your friend but they sort of have their own personality before they meet you as is the case with clara that's part of why they chose her she's very smart and intelligent um but they're also designed inherently to like copy the human and get to know them more so it's like this really weird gray area of like there's, you know, that age-old question is, like, do artificial intelligences and do artificial, um, you know, AIs and AFs, do they have their own sense of autonomy and morality, even though they were designed and built? is like, a really fascinating thing um, to ponder. But also, um, naturally, Clara's view of the world and her perception of what's going on is very different than, like, a regular human just because of how she was raised and how she grew up. Um, so she's definitely somewhat of an unreliable narrator just in the sense that, like, how she perceives the people in the world is um, a little bit different and a little bit skewed. Um, But then it also brings up the question more than just like what it means to be human, but like what does it mean to love and what does it mean to have a relationship both amongst humans and then both, you know, with this artificially created thing that sort of, you know, as Ashiguro pawns and as ponders and as many other people in the world do, like we're very likely headed in that direction where there's incredibly smart AIs and AFs. Um, But what does it mean to love and to feel bonds and companionship and friendship. Um, So all of those are explored, of course. Um, It definitely, it was, you know, if you're looking for, even, you know, there's a lot of sci-fi elements and it's, of course, a fantastical future world, but it's also very grounded in the sense um, that it's not this sort of, you know, Blade Runner dystopian, like, electronic signs and advertisements floating everywhere. It's like a very grounded sci-fi novel, um, which I personally find to be very compelling. So if you feel like, oh, it's too much sci-fi or fantasy isn't enough for me, um, or you're somehow turned off by that, don't be. And if you are into that kind of stuff, then definitely check it out because it's also just a powerful, again, like meditation on love and companionship and what it means to be a human. Um, So... At times, I mean, since Clara is sort of so ignorant and naive and young, it can read a little bit like she is a child, and of course she very likely is, and I can imagine that that might be like a little frustrating or annoying for some people, but of course it's all on purpose. I really enjoyed it. I devoured it all in one day. I believe it is about, how many pages? Three, uh, so just 304 pages, so a little over 300, so it's a really good in-between novel for someone who maybe has graduated a little bit past the novella, the hundred. 150 page mark still not ready for like a 400 plus page tome this one is perfect for you next we have the dating plan by sarah desai um i don't talk about like a ton of romance or like romance adjacent novels on the podcast not because i don't read them um i do somewhat frequently they just don't happen to always be the most exciting or like standout novels for me and that's no shade to the genre at all it could just very well be the ones that I'm picking or I know that there's like red white and blue that everyone loves I've read a couple by Josie Silva um Sarah Desai who I'm gonna be talking about she has a book coming out after this she already has another one out that I have a hold on at the library um 
So just she and her characters, I mean, again, no shade to the romance genre, but I do feel that oftentimes like you're reading it for the romance. Um, And in this case, of course, there was a romance and an attraction between the characters and it's called (laughs) The Dating Plan. So there's, you know, it has that rom-com setup to it. But I just found that the characters were like super relatable and well-written. I found that even though it's in this fantastical sort of rom-com genre where things are almost like too crazy to believe in the coincidences, like it does feel like it could happen and I was just like rooting for them and there was like a little bit of you know will they or won't they there's definitely not any like darkness or killing or rape but it's just like a very realistic novel and you could totally like see this playing out and I feel like it's just like I want to get to know these characters and that's like what makes a really good book so more than just a romance novel it was just sort of like a really great novel that happens to be about a romance between two characters so our two characters are Daisy um, we, she is very like type A, very focused. Her parents are encouraging her to find a boyfriend. She is of Indian descent who sort of meets their parameters and she is definitely not about that. Um, then we also meet our other main character, Leah Murphy. Turns out the two of them, um, have a sort of high school past together. Leah ended up breaking Daisy's heart. Daisy has never really been able to get over that. Their paths just somehow magically intertwine because of work. Um, and then they both for, reasons you'll find out in the novel need to be married and need to be engaged and so they look at it as like hey we already know each other and you know even though we don't love each other because we don't know each other we're going to get married for, on paper for purposes and then naturally as you know any circumstance can they happen to fall for each other hijinks ensue but it's again just like very real of course it's a ridiculous scenario you think oh no one would ever do this but like people definitely would yeah you can tell they're going to be together and go for each other but because it isn't so easy because you get to see all the challenges and strifes both with just like cultural stuff liam is white daisy is indian um you know because of their relationships with their work as well. Daisy is also very much a career woman and focused on her other things besides the relationship too. It's like, of course, the relationship with Liam is the center focus and what drives the plot forward, but also her work and her family stuff and Liam's own personal stuff are pretty much just as important as their relationship. And so the fact that all of that is really well-developed, like I said, just made it read really easily, made it fun, made you want to really root for the characters. Um, so even if you think that romance is like a little too chintzy or whatever, and if you're looking for something lighter, because I knew, no, I do often talk about a lot of like darker, you know, murder and tr- sexual assault and triggering stuff, then this one is definitely for you. Speaking of a little bit darker stuff, definitely um, not the darkest one I'm going to talk about, but next we have um, Annie and the Wolves by Andromeda Romano Lux. Um, I don't say this very often, but like this was a very different book in a really cool way. <laughs> Vague, but um I just feel like I haven't read I've read a lot of so I've read a lot of time travel novels. I've read a lot of, you know, historical fiction novels. Um I've read a lot of novels that blur those two together. We've talked a lot about in this episode, but in a way um that like really seamlessly goes together. I haven't seen that done as well as I have in this one. So Annie and the Wolves, Annie is our titular um Annie Oakley, it starts out part of, I'd say about a quarter to a third of the novel is flashbacks and Annie's perspective um, growing up as a young woman and also for the second half of her life. And why are we talking about and focusing on Annie Oakley? Because our contemporary protagonist, Ruth, um, is actually a researcher and she is looking into Annie Oakley's life and she finds out that Annie has this um, traumatic background and that Annie may or may not have 
play with time traveling in order to sort of come to terms and deal with the ramifications of that trauma. Um, And so Ruth then explores that sort of notion. Um, She's a really cool woman because she's also gone through a trauma um, and is using Annie Oakley's sort of journey and experience to, like, find herself. Um, We also get the perspective of two high school students who she becomes involved with and (laughs) not sexually or anything, but because her path has sort of led her back to her hometown um, and her sister died when she was younger in high school. Um, the ramifications of the death of her sister also come into play. And even though it's like not really related to Annie Oakley, it's like through her research and connection with Annie Oakley, she is not only able to fulfill herself, but also like change the lives of others. So it's like, I don't want to say it's like Magic Treehouse at all, because like Ruth herself doesn't really go back in time and like see Annie, but she um, is you know, she foresees this horrible tragedy happening too, which is like what keeps her grounded and what keeps her interested in finding out Annie's time traveling secrets. Um, So it's just all really like psychoanalytical. It's got that historical research piece because we get to see the flashbacks and the perspectives of Annie Oakley. Um, Of course, you know, through some historical reimaginings, Ruth herself is a very complex three-dimensional character, the different boys that she interacts with. Everything about it was just, like, very fascinating and um, different in the sense that it's a unique idea and it's something that could easily have been cheesy or not have gone well or not have gelled as easily together as it did, but it was just so well-written and I really recommend it. I know she's written a couple other things. Her name was really cool, Andromeda Romano Lax. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see what else she has out there because she is a really cool, unique, how many times can I say cool? She is a really unique, um, new to me at least, voice in fiction, so I'm excited to read the rest of her works. And next we have Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi. I believe I have talked about um, one of her other novels. She's written a couple other pieces. Um, Permanent Record, I think, in one of my first episodes. Mary H.K. Choi, I mean, yes, I guess this is technically a young adult novel because... No, I don't want to say it's a young adult novel. I hate to sort of put that label on something because then it pigeonholes it and just because because we're dealing with someone who is technically a young adult. I think this is very adult, mature themes. Anyways, our young character, Jane, um, she's sort of, we meet her when she is like down on her luck, not really has her, she's going to school. She's living in New York City. Um, She is kind of estranged from her parents. She's living in a really shitty apartment. She's in a shitty relationship situation. So she's kind of just like all over the place. And it's clear that like some sort of something needs to change in her life. And what that is, is that she reconnects with her sister Jane, who's a little bit older. Um, We find out that the two of them were pretty close when they grew up. Um, Their mother left for a period of time, which really changed their relationship. They're from Texas, but their parents are from China. Um, God, I hope they're from China. I I think that's right. Um, Anyways, I'm sorry if that's not right. Um, But they are... um, Oh, I'm God. Sorry. Okay, the Korean American Jason. If we can cut that out, that'd be great. Um, so um, they have a very, you know, distant sort of relationship with their daughters in the sense that like they know what they want to know and they don't share the rest of what they don't want to know. And so June is re uh, Jane is re is approached by her older sister Jane, who they actually both live in New York City and just haven't talked in a while. Um, Jane has cancer, and so that why while that could very well like be the focus of the novel it's really also about like 
we see Jane's perspective through June, but we really get to see... I'm sorry, we get to see June's perspective through Jane. Um, but Jane is really our main character. And while June's cancer certainly affects Jane, um, it's really in an interesting way, like about Jane's disordered eating and the way that she approaches food and binges. But it's not necessarily like a novel about disordered eating, if that makes sense. Like sort of like milk fed in the sense that it's like it's a part of Jane's life and it's sort of a part of the novel. But because it's not like it's it's been a part of her and throughout the novel she deals with and then eventually grows and addresses her eating disorder but it sort of takes the catalyst of her sister having cancer and them reconnecting their relationship so while it deals with a lot of heavier topics of course it's mary hk Choi is just really really great at writing these characters that are incredibly you know imperfect in the perfect most perfect ways like she just gets inside these characters heads and just really makes them come alive like these incredibly vivid realistic people i mean talk about artificial intelligence and artificial friends her characters really feel like the kind of people that just like how could they not be real like she warms inside their head and brings them to life like these little golems in the way that you know very every writer wants to write a great character but it's hard it's really hard to write a character that doesn't feel like a character and june and jane just feel like the kind of sisters and people who just have real problems and aren't afraid of talking about them but because in a way they don't really talk about them she just gets to get inside their heads and show us as people the the insides of these fictional people's heads that feel real it's just really crazy i mean that's how the best writing happens um but you know, the story of insurance fraud and uh, disordered eatings and cool uh, Korean-American characters. So check that one out. And last but certainly not least, we have A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. A Certain Hunger is kind of like if Silence of the Lambs met like Anna Delvey (laughs) or something like that. So our main character is a food critic um and she is writing this novel or this novel is written as a fictional memoir so our main character the food critic uh, what is her name um dorothy that's right um so she is recounting her life from prison so we find out very early on that she is caught for her crimes the crimes um the certain hunger the titular hunger is she is a cannibal and she enjoys consuming and eating men and while that sounds very you know been there done that um she's also a food critic so the way that she approaches food and talks about food and the way that she approaches men and talks about men of course intersect um it's very you know it's it's certainly not for the faint of heart there's a lot a lot of graphic descriptions of her consuming and eating these men but also like with that sort of loving touch and um because she is a woman that is there there is more of a womanly Um, touch to it we know she gets caught of course because she's writing to us from prison but then it's sort of all over the place in terms of her trajectory in terms of her making her career as a food critic while also or moonlighting as a food critic i should say even though that is an actual passion of hers as she is also a serial killer and um gets to know these different men and how she you know forms relationships with them but very quickly they become um fodder for sex and murder um so it's kind of you know it's an interesting take on murder and sociopathy from um the perspective of an older fictional woman who has done some bad shit and owns up to it but also you know the murder like isn't the focus of these even though again it's sort of a paint by numbers and the finds the man and but also just like the journey of one person's self and the connection between um love and 
hate and how easily it is to, you know, cover up crimes and you don't really know what's going on underneath other people. And of course, this is a fictional story, but there are stories of real life cannibals and this stuff does happen. So it's not too far from uh, a believable story, I should say. Um, So without further ado, I believe that is everything for today. Um, Until next time, until I talk to you next time, send in those assumptions and stay reading. Bye.